When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. It's time to go one-on-one with DP. Coming at you live from the Koppel Chevrolet GMC Studios, here is your host, Derek Pearson. Presented by Beatrice Bakery on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. Welcome, everybody. Happy Tuesday. I want to thank you folks for joining us on a Tuesday afternoon. It's busy. It's busy. There have already been wins today. Huskers hoops. The ladies went out and dominated Maine as they should have. You know the rules, 402-464-5685. That's the starter Heyman text line. Fire away. Honda Lincoln hotline called the same number. Hit me with a what's up, DP. You got to add to that today, today, though. You got to add to that today because we brought somebody. We needed somebody to hit leadoff. We needed somebody to play up the middle. That's how we're going to get down. You need solid, rock solid up the middle. Let's bring in Husker Baseball's Camp Chick. Sir, what's happening? How we doing? Thanks for having me. Oh, this is good, bro. This is good. It's going to be some fun times ahead of us all. Um, So some of the folks know your story, some don't. So let's go back. How does Cam Chick get to the University of Nebraska? Yeah, so I'm from Columbia, Missouri. Uh, Born and raised. My dad went to Mizzou, played baseball there, so... A little bit of a rivalry between Nebraska and Mizzou back back in the day. Um, but just growing up, playing football and baseball, a majority of my life. So sports has been around since the start, and that's kind of what defined me for sure. Um, and through high school, the recruiting process really took off after my sophomore year uh, with teams like Mizzou, Missouri State, K-State. And then my very last one was Nebraska. Um, Coach Ersted, Coach Silva, Coach Kirby all called me up for a visit. Um, just fell in love, fell in love with the atmosphere. The facilities are second to none. The people here, um, the support staff, everything was just the best I'd seen in the nation. So it was a no-brainer for me. Um, and then also playing for the the number one overall pick, uh, a guy who had 14, 15 years in the bigs, gold gloves. I remember walking into his office that day on the visit, and he had three gold gloves <laughs> up on the shelf, thrown back in the corner like it was just nothing. It's <laughs> just... Don't mind those yeah. things. Yeah, and then his World Series ring was right there on the, the counter next to you. And Baller. it was just like, Baller. wow. 
<laughs> I want to be there one day. Baller. Baller. Yeah. That's amazing. So when did you know, first of all, that this baseball thing was special to you and you to it? When did you know? I'd say probably around 9 or 10. Um, I'd always had a bat around since I was three. My dad was a high school coach for about 13, 14 years. So I've been around baseball. I grew up with high schoolers. So that was the best part about it is I was playing with kids that were 10 plus years older than me. So I had to had to be able to take the stuff that they give me and, and as well as compete with them. So that that's really what pushed me. But 10, 9 and 10 is when I started traveling around the country and playing. And that's when I realized I want to do this every week and I want to do this every day. And hopefully this can be my, my job growing up. What was it about Lincoln that you said you know, you've been around, like you've been around games, you've been around the country seeing this thing, but then you got here. What was it about the town? It just saw how they treated everyone. Everyone was super nice. Uh, hello, waves. How you doing? Um, and it was just something, something about being with Coach Erstead, obviously that just attracts people, but the respect that he got when we were walking around the campus, um, around the stadiums, and it was just one of those things where I could I could just feel the energy that the town had for Nebraska and the Huskers and something that I want to be a part of because we got the best best fans in the nation. So having that support every single Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, and then midweeks was something that I just dreamed of. And obviously we pack the house uh, almost every game. We average probably four or five thousand, and so it's the one, it's you live for that all all the big moments. And then now leading up to last year, getting to play on the biggest stage is just an opportunity that. I just am so blessed and would never take it back for the world. We're talking to Cam Chick from the Huskers baseball program, and you mentioned Coach Erstad, and he is such a unique personality. What was it other than the gold gloves about Coach Erstad? I mean, like he's been there. Yeah. But as a person, who was it? He made sure he knew my parents' name right off the bat. Um, remember the name from the phone call. Um and you remember he played football, so he would text me uh, every couple Fridays asking how I did, um, what the scores were. But the biggest thing for me is he didn't question my size. So that that was what really attracted me to him was he didn't ask, you know, how tall is your family, um, the gene pool I was in. It was more just he saw me as a baseball player and a baseball player alone as well as a person. And so I was really able to connect with him. Because all he wanted was the best out of me, and I could tell that right away. Uh, it was one of those things where I got chills talking to him. I felt comfortable. I was able to open up and tell him, you know, everything I was looking for and obviously asking what, what he was looking for out of me. And he shot me straight, told me I'd have a, a chance to come in and play, and um, but it wasn't it wasn't given to me. So uh, I came in, uh, was able to earn it, and, you know, he had my back ever, every every game, every weekend, and all throughout the year. Who's the toughest coach you know? Is it Dad? Is it is it Erstad? Is it Bolt? Who who's the co- toughest coach? I'm gonna have to say Coach Marcuso. Okay, okay. Coach Marcuso, our infield coach. Yeah. Um, he gets the absolute very best out of us every single day, every rep, every rep for sure. I won't say every day, every <laughs> rep, every single rep. You, his biggest his biggest thing is you can't take a rep off because in the game you take one play off and that could be the turning point in, in a disaster a, a a big inning so and he gets the very best he turned me into a, a better defender than I could have ever imagined coming in so do, do you have a preference about where you play uh I played second base my whole life so I love playing second but being able to play the outfield a lot last year probably I played majority in the outfield and it was fun to be able to use my speed run around catch balls um. Gets a little boring, 
sitting out there. <laughs> it does get a, does get a little boring. I'm not gonna lie. Um, but talking to you know, I get to talk to Jack Style. Uh, I talked to Schwelly last year, Max, and I'm on the infield. But yeah. we're in the outfield. That you're lone man. There's no one to talk to. See, that was kind of my solace. I was center fielder. I like being out there. You know, just like. I was in my own head, the king yeah. of my domain, right? Exactly. Like, this is all mine. This yeah. is all mine. Oh, yeah. Every ball is mine unless I allow you to catch it. Like- exactly. <laughs> and then occasionally the left field uh, bullpen would be occupied. And so I got to listen to the home team whenever we're away, listen to them chirp me a little bit. But it's you, always fun. Speaking of chirping, let's go to Little Rock. Let's go. <laughs> yeah. What was that like for you? Like, what was the environment? The fans, I mean, it had to be incredible. And, and from TV and from radio alone, fans are incredible. But for you as a player, what was it like? Yeah, just the moment stood out. Uh, heartbreaker. But the home run that Charlie Welch hit, that really sealed the deal uh, on that on that Sunday. I've never experienced the ringing in the ears while playing until that moment. Like, when the ball left the bat, it was just an eruption, just just screams um but backtracking our fans showed out and put up a fight against the 15,000 of theirs we had about 1500 and they they let let them know that they were there um but it was the best environment I've probably ever played in and might ever play in unless I have a chance to go on and, and play somewhere bigger but that I will go down as probably one of the most fun six days of my life you and I were talking and Local recent local news is about a change in leadership in a program, and you've been through it, and mm-hmm. you've been through it here. Yeah. For you as a player, what's it like when you find out that your coach or somebody on the coaching staff is moving along, and you've got to adapt and readjust? What was what What's that like for you? First, when you broke the news, it was it was like sadness because um, you came in. Uh, he was your guy, and for for the year straight, he was he was like your second dad. You're away from your family. He's he's the one taking care of you, guiding you throughout your college career, especially as a freshman. That's when you're most vulnerable. You know, you're coming in, you don't know much. So that initial shock, for sure, uh, a lot of teary eyes in the locker room when that that meeting was brought together. Um, and then initially after that, you feel you're happy that he made, he made the decision. You know, it, it's all about him you got to make sure that he's happy first and that was probably the best decision he's made and then on the flip side getting getting new coaches um you're nervous a lot of nervous uh jitters going into it especially starting in the new fall with them you don't know how they they come to work you don't know their practice plan um you feel like a freshman all over again in all honesty you're starting over fresh it doesn't matter if you're a starter reliever a guy who came off the bench pitch hitter um it was one of those things you got to start fresh. And for all of us, we took it as a challenge. We loved it. And um, Coach Bolt came in with high energy. His whole staff did. I know you talked to Coach Harvell a lot. He's super high energy guy. Um, but, yeah, they just came in right away, instilled to compete in us, made sure that we knew that they were going to compete for us and they were going to bring everything, everything they had every day. And it kind of just clicked. But, yeah, for the first month or two, you're, it's kind of like a job interview, I would say. You're just trying to show them what you got, and they're also trying to gain your respect as well and trust. To, to to parallel that to football and say what if you're a student athlete and this happens in season right yeah 
walk me through what's in the head of, of these football players this week. Like, isn't this just an odd week? You've got a bye week and then you've got Wisconsin. Like, yeah. that's what's going on in their heads? Sad. I mean, it's middle middle of the season. You don't want to see anyone go, especially your whole offensive staff, and you got that going right now. Um, you would hope they don't change it up on them because mm-hmm. that will be the hardest thing is you have one week to prepare with a, a whole new staff uh, and possibly a whole new offense, which I hope that doesn't happen. But, yeah, I bet it's pretty hectic in the locker room. But the thing is is I know uh, a bunch of those guys, and they're really close. And so that that's the biggest thing is I would say that I know from – baseball perspective we kind of came together as a team um even stronger whenever coach Hurstead left because it was kind of like in that process where you didn't know who your coach was going to be we had to stick together and make sure you know spirits are high and we had each other's back no matter what and I'm sure that's what they're doing right now and you know you have an awesome leader on offense with Adrian that captain he's always there um boosting the morale he's got everyone's back so I, I know he'll take care of it for sure um and you got a bunch of those upperclassmen on the offensive side that uh, it won't take long for them to get acclimated for sure. Uh, Cam Chick from Husker Baseball. And for, for for players, there's so much chatter, mm-hmm. so much communication. Social media now gives immediate access. For you, what's the boundary do you that you set? Because when things are going well, it's it's fun to be around. Oh, yeah. When it's not going well, how do you boundary that? Yeah, that was kind of a rule um, Coach Bolt brought in. It was kind of just like social media is – it. It's good at sometimes, but it can also be your your biggest enemy. So our thing is we don't try to get caught up in anything that's going on in social media. We don't reply. We don't try to, you know, get in the feuds um, because we're all a circle. And everyone outside that circle doesn't have the same beliefs um, and attitudes as us in the circle. So as long as we just stay with our group and our immediate, you know, family at that time, uh, especially with them, that's 120 guys. As long as they just stay within the their guys, there's nothing much that can break that when you have each other. It's it's a year for the record books. I mean, you win the Big Ten championship that final weekend, like not knowing. You were telling the story to Colby Webster and CJ, but not knowing going into that last weekend that mm-hmm. this was this was possible. Like yeah. we could finish this thing here. When did you find? How did when and how did you find out that that championship weekend was actually a championship weekend? Yeah. So we, you know, all of us math majors at the time. <laughs> We're <laughs> right? trying to add up all the points, all the standings. <laughs> Be like, all right, so if we do this, 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 we have a chance. And Mojo Haggy in the back of the bus uh, on our way to Indiana threw something out. He was like, guys, I think if we sweep, we, we clinch. And all of us were like, bro, stop. Like, <laughs> nope. Don't put that on us. Don't, <laughs> don't put that on us. Um, and then as the weekend started going, uh, one of our representatives from the school was actually there and – the upperclassmen were telling us that he traveled to Penn State four years ago when we clinched the Big Ten championship, and he was. They were saying that he only comes when championships are on the line to present the trophy. So then, after game one, he came that Saturday morning. So we're like, all right, we got to win under our belts. We see him there, um, and so we started to get the little, you know, jitters. But we the ch- chatter started happening um, after game one. You know, we came back, heck of a game. And then coming into game two, Coach Bolt kind of slipped it in there a little bit. Uh, he was like, you know, you finish out this weekend, something good's going to happen. Like, you just play, play our, stay our approach, play our game, good, good things are going to happen. And then coming Sunday, that's when the news got dropped on us. That like, hey, guys, Michigan's game got moved up. Um, if they lose and you guys win, it's over. You clinch it. 
Luckily, their game got moved up four hours before ours because of weather. <laughs> right. So the grace of God, something yeah. happened. And we end up seeing in the seventh inning, they came in and said, hey, guys, Michigan lost. Like, And we're up 9-0 at this point. And so it was one of those things where it's like, wow. How did you stay focused in that then? Yeah, exactly. It's like we got to finish this out. Um, and that last pitch was thrown, strike three. And it was just like weight lifted off our shoulders. We're like, since August 23rd all the way till now, our goals we set out, we're accomplishing them. We're still on our on the journey, mm-hmm. but the biggest one, the conference championship, it's ours and can't take it away from us. See, that's how I know you're a dude, right? You just said a thing that I've been preaching and that I work from is that all those little boxes that you have to check along the way mm-hmm. to get to your mission. And the mission has to be loud. Yeah. Like the squad has to know, and you've got to agree to it, that listen – uh, we we want to win series, win game one, win the series, right? Let's move along. Let's go through that checklist of what that pyramid looks like for you guys. Yeah, so coming in, obviously, the end goal is Omaha. Mm-hmm. Win a national championship, those two boxes, front and center. Okay. Leading up to it, it's game by game. And then come Saturday, you'll know at that point if you win the series or not. So then the box is checked. Let's win this series. Let's win this series. And I think at one point we were eight in a row. Of series ones, uh, so it was kind of like game by game, and then come Saturday, it was like, all right, we just won, we won the series, let's go sweep now. So you win Friday, coming in, win Saturday, you're like, all right, series is won, but it's not over, let's go, let's go sweep, restart all over again, and especially the days where the boxes seem a little bigger, whenever it's the four game weekends, because then you're like, all right, win game one, win game two, we haven't won yet. We can still split, win game three, and it's like, all right, series is ours. Let's go, let's go sweep them. And so we just stuck with that approach every single weekend, every single game. We weren't looking ahead, you know, because there were some games where we were facing a top three rounder the next game, but we couldn't think about that because right now we're facing the Friday night guy. They're saving him for Saturday or Sunday. So it was one of those things where we couldn't look ahead because we had to focus on the moment that we had at hand. And, you know, we had some games where we – you know, waver from that approach, and it was one of those you got to battle back in the seventh or eighth inning, stressful, pull your hair out kind of games. We're we're in Michigan State, and we're facing a guy who's throwing nine nine and two thirds with sixteen Ks against us, and somehow we battle back for a fourteen inning win, and then don't get the shot and got to go home and, and and fly home. Right, one of those games where it just keeps going, and so that that was the the fight that we showed all season was you know this pitch, this at bat, do your job, do this, do that, and stack and stack and stack until the final box is checked in the weekend. You just mentioned about six different games that popped to mind. For you, mm-hmm. what was your favorite game of the season? That Michigan State game, I wouldn't say it was my favorite. It was probably the most stressful and most mentally tiring game I've ever been a part of in my life. See, I would have thought it would have been your late inning bomb that might have got <laughs> Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, yeah. In the regional, that, that was um, – no, I had struggled too. the past two weeks. Uh, I, was, I was hitting the slump, which – uh, I don't like to do it at the end of the year, but it happens. And I was able um, – I took a – they sat me for a game, and that was probably the best thing ever. It was one of those where it got to the point where I was like, I need I need a break. I need to watch watch from the bench and, and figure it out. Came in game one. We're down 3-0. Um, and thank God for the guys in front of me. They got on. They did their job. Uh, second and third, I got to a 2-0 pitch, and, and I was just looking for a fastball, and he left it up and in, and I was able to get Yank. a good swing on it. Yank. <laughs> and then after that, it's kind of like hitting is just a like domino effect. After after that, it was hit, score, hit, score, and we end up um, beating them by three or four runs. But that was that was a really fun game. But I think 
the most fun I ever had was uh, game five or four in the, in the regional against Arkansas when we beat them. And Schwelle came in after playing shortstop for five innings right. and threw five shutout innings and just set him down. And and that was – I knew, like, that was the last time I was ever uh, – like, within within that weekend, because he had thrown, he was done. Yeah. He wasn't going to be able to do yeah. it. So I was thinking, yeah. you know, we lose tomorrow. That could be my last time ever seeing him pitch in front of me and play with him. And a guy that's so selfless, you know, comes in after not pitching for two years and finds a way to become one of the dom- most dominant closers in the nation and just finds a way to put us all on his back and take us to the promised land that game. And that, that will go down as one of my most favorite games is just watching him deal. It, Cam, it's funny, too, because you guys battled, but you guys had fun. Yeah. Was that – was that because you were winning or because you guys were fun and then you won because you had fun together? Which one came first? I think it's just because we loved each other. Uh, that was probably last year and my freshman year, the two closest teams I've ever, ever been a part of in my entire life. Um, we're all at each other's house every weekend. You know, we're going out to eat on the weekends, weekdays. We're literally in the clubhouse. We would spin until almost midnight curfews on the weekends playing two ball in the hotel conference room. <laughs> Every and most people, yeah, just most applauded. people don't even know that. Oh. But our curfew would be at eleven thirty or twelve if it was a later game, and we'd all be in there sweating. You would think we just got to work out in. We're all competing, having fun. And those are little things that I'll I'll miss from that group. Was we were always together because with the COVID year you couldn't leave. Right. So we had to find ways to entertain ourselves in the hotel room. And we were able to do that. And so it was more we were just having fun with each other. And it was just I was literally playing with my family in the backyard is what it felt like. How did you how did you and your lady? She's an athlete. How did you guys get through it? Like, that's a weird year Like yeah. to go through individual protocols and then have to worry about, OK, here's a resp- another responsibility on yeah. top of all the other responsibilities. Well, her season got canceled in the fall, so she played in the spring with me, which mm-hmm. made it even more stressful because it was like, we can't do anything, we can't jeopardize, because you get sick, then I'm sick because we live together. Mm-hmm. And if you get sick, someone else is most likely to get sick on your team, and then you guys might not be able to play, and vice versa. And so it was one of those things where uh, we had to enjoy each other. We had to get along yeah. because we got to spend a lot more time together. How about that? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How about that? Well, here, but So this is the other thing then. So athletes, especially college athletes, yeah. are just a unique breed of human being. Yeah. You go, you have two strikeouts, and you come home, and it you are in your own space, in yeah. your own universe. Mm-hmm. She could have had a good night or a bad night. Yep. How do you work it out? It's just a feel thing. <laughs> you got to you got to read like who's ba- whose day was yeah, worse. You got to like, read the room. You got to read the room. For sure. Uh cuz she didn't get to come to a lot of the games last year. So it was more of um she was checking Twitter or watching it on on the app. Yeah. But it was one of those things where you got to just know and sometimes we we don't even like to talk about it whether it's a good or bad game either way. It's kind of we just once we walk through the front door, sports is out of the way and we're just at home. So that's the best part about it. Yeah, it just it, it's 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 necessary. It's great when you have it. Yeah. Um, but a lot of folks, again, last year, last year was last year was a boundary setter for a whole lot of people. Yeah. So let's go through the checklist this year. You got a, a whole bunch of new talent in the building. Mm-hmm. A lot of returning studs. You got dudes. 
that could fill up a roster pretty quickly, even yeah. at even at the Big Ten level. Where do you put this this lineup, the the, the group of guys, the roster from from first to last? Where do you put them? Is this on caliber for what you were used to? Um, are you guys going to have to work on things? Where do you put this roster? Yeah, um, with the small sample size from the fall, seeing the scrimmages, I think we have a lot more big hitters. Mm-hmm. I would describe it guys who have, uh, one through nine all have pop. Um, you know, last year we had a lot of scrappy guys, and you also need that in the lineup. And so, with being fall scrimmages, you're not bunting a lot. You're more focused on hitting, and you know getting getting your swing grooved out so come springtime it'll be really nice to see uh what guys kind of evolve into that position uh the role like mojo had uh jackson all those guys who find a way to just get get the ball in play and use their speed and then you know can still put the ball at the ballpark and so i think this year it'll be a pretty young young lineup but talent wise it's it's great It'll be fun to watch. Power. So this is not a hit and run group. This is a group that can can can, can go yard, three run home run situation. Yeah, yeah. But we still we'll still play our game. Still be scrappy. Still play fast. Well, Carvel's calling the plays. Oh yeah, yeah. You know you're gonna run. Go. Like you're yeah. gonna run around. Like that. That's we'll kinda, use our speed. Yeah. And then the pitching staff. What do you see? We have a lot more depth this year. Um, we brought in a, a good amount of pitchers. Uh, we got a couple of transfers who have seen big-time starts, big-time some SEC guys. Mm -hmm. Um, McCarville from GCU, another powerhouse in Division I baseball. So just guys who have experience. And then Shea Shanneman, bringing him back on staff. Cody Frank as a reliever. Um, Just all those guys that were a big part last year and then adding on these new guys. It's been fun to see. And you just – one through 15 or however many pitches we have, everyone comes out there and competes, has a ton of pitches, locates, so it, it'll be fun. There's lots in store, and full disclosure, uh, we're going to put Mr. Chick to work. Yeah. We're going to put him to work and bring him into the 93.7 Ticket family and have some conversations, and you and Bryce Matthews, mm-hmm. and then we'll cross over and do some, some different programming with basketball players and baseball players and football players. But, young man, you're the right kind of guy. And I'm looking forward to, one, getting to know you better. Two, uh, going along on the ride with you guys. Because I tell you what, from every Husker baseball fan who doesn't get to say it to you, man, thank you for what you guys did last last spring. That you guys, look, you picked up an entire state and held them on your shoulders, whether you know it or not. It was amazing to watch. And we're looking forward to the reigning, defending Big Ten baseball champions. We appreciate it. All right. We'll throw it to break. Right, I'll go to it. We got another Husker. Mark Manning, wrestling. He just texted. We're gonna, he's going to call, but that's okay. More Husker talk when we come back. Download our app by searching 93.7 The Ticket in your app store. You're listening to One on One with DP on 93.7 The Ticket and theticketfm.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. 
Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.